Omis, welcome to the interview of the week. This week we have Mikey from Vesta who've just launched their protocol and with me as always is Dropkick Darren. How are you going Mikey and Drop? I am good. <laughs> I am good myself as well. Thanks for asking. Mikey, you've had the auction like maybe a week and a half ago or was that? that long ago even i don't know it's hard to keep up these days in DeFi. and then you had the actual platform launch yesterday is that right yes that's correct so vesta is a stablecoin minting platform where users can come and lock their assets and then borrow against them uh, and they mint a stablecoin called vst and the vesta protocol is um governed by the vsta governance token and the borrowing for VST went live yesterday with Ren BTC, ETH and Geome. Is that right, Mikey? Yes. Um, ETH and uh, Geome for now. Ren BTC quite soon. So users come and they um, have their, say, their Geome and they come to your platform and then they're able to lock it in there and they're able to borrow. I think the loan to value is like 65, is it? Somewhere around that? For Geome is 57 at the oh, moment. Oh, okay. 57. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that can be modifiable by governance, but at the moment it's 57. And then you mint your VST and then you pay a 1.25% fee. And it's not an ongoing interest rate. It's a one-time mint fee, like the liquidity platform on Ethereum with their LUSD. And then you are able to go and spend that VST stablecoin, if you like, or you can do some um, yield farming at the moment. You're sort of uh, being very generous and magnanimous. Uh, the Vesta DAO is giving out some tokens to people who are coming and using the platform at the moment. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, like you said, there is a two, or rather, one main use of the stablecoin at the moment. Um, our stablecoin VST is currently uh, trading against Frax. So we have a curve pool set up um, specifically factor pool 19 if you're looking for it. I believe the APR is roughly 30 to 40% ish at uh, 25 million total value locked. Yeah, that's uh, unfortunately that's the main use for now, but we are looking to expand the roadmap. On our roadmap, we're looking to expand the use of VST to. Uh, a lot more use cases. Oh, we can uh, we can definitely get into that uh, a little bit later on, but I want to kind of circle back to a, a a bit of an off-topic question. But what's your least favorite and favorite thing about a podcast? Have you done many podcasts? I have not. Um, I have done one before. It was not in crypto. It was pretty fun. I, I liked it. Um, maybe we can kind of touch on how. You know, you first got involved in crypto, um, you know, was it kind of like very early on? Or was it more recently? And then maybe like we can also kind of segue into what kind of being involved in the space, like whether that did influence you to kind of um, spin up Vesta as a project. Yeah. So I um, started working after undergrad uh, at a layer one company. The company unfortunately didn't quite work out. Uh, because of uh, some, I would say, just internal uh, politic issues. And uh, But I did a lot of research, especially into zero-knowledge proof. I wouldn't say research, uh, as in like the actual cryptography, but just read a lot into, you know, uh, the 
different base layers, what are their advantages, uh, gain a fairly solid understanding of just like uh, uh, these distributed ledger systems. After that, I went to a UI company, or rather a project in the crypto space that is on the UI layer. It is one of the, technically speaking, the most popular tool for people to check balances. I am coming really close to doxing myself, but uh, that's okay. I worked there for a year or so, and then had the opportunity to meet a lot of um, fairly influential people and uh, basically pitch them, hey, I, I'm trying to build this thing and then garner the angel round and uh, basically build this and that's it. <laughs> So, Mikey, what was the inspiration? Do you want to tell us, like, how you came up with the idea? I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's a pretty obvious pain point for, like, Omis and, like, everybody else for this, like, having, being able to borrow against their assets on Arbitrum. Um, but then it's done with this, like, really novel uh, solution, which is, like, a multi-collateral implementation of uh, like the liquidity code. Do you want to tell us like how you ideated on it? Like, were you jamming about it with like people and being like, this would be really cool to build. And then one day you were like, I can do this. Why, why can't I be the one? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's uh, very similar to what you just said. So, you know, I was on the UI layer for the longest time and it was it just wasn't so exciting to me. A lot of my connections, they are in the liquidity side of things. And uh, like I just saw that, you know, it's it's just much more exciting. It's obviously um, much more on the gray area in terms of regulations, but, you know, got to live a little. So I decided to <laughs> so I decided to jump in and started looking at different projects and then realized that the particular model that liquidity has pioneered is very it's just good right like it's underutilized a lot of projects that have um, tried to utilize this particular uh, mechanism they've, they haven't seen successes because they basically didn't really think about how to improve upon it but for us when we started we looked at what it does and given like my own understanding of the landscape of the DeFi landscape um, the pain points of making it governable as well as making it multi-collateral was extremely obvious so that's that's exactly what we did and this i guess another reason why it's worked out it's twofold is because of the support from olympus one we you know we're, we're able to turn this particular liquidation setup into a more versatile when it comes to the types of collateral uh, but at the same time, it also matters what exact collaterals are we using. And so here is exactly where I was fortunate enough to be introduced to the Olympus team, Mark, you, as well as um, some of the other core members of the team. And from day one, uh, it was ideated that Geom or some whatever form of Ohm would be a collateral so that we would be entrenched in the Olympus ecosystem. Mm. And so, yeah, I think the success is twofold here. Maybe we can talk about like that when, when you kind of initially um, stumbled uh, across Olympus and when was it kind of like first taking notice of Olympus and maybe like, oh, there's a big user base here. How do we kind of, um, you know, help this user base um, by building, you know, some kind of system or, or, or tooling to like better 
um, you know, accommodate f for a need. Um, maybe we can talk about how we jumped through the kind of, uh, you know, incubator channels and maybe like kind of describe to some people what that was like um, initially going through um, being one of the first uh, incubatees. Yeah. So um, the incubator program has been extremely helpful to us. I, I can't really put into words how valuable it is. It's uh, some of the members, um, they provided a lot of, you know, soft support in terms of like operations, stuff like that. We've also supported an extreme amount of, you know, support from the um, creating community. Um, going back to the start, I think I, I was a very heavy OMI uh, back in, I would say, July, August. I still am, but not as much <laughs> because I did unload a little bit because, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's certainly like one of the most interesting community that I've ever been in. It's, uh, you know, the, the moment I joined the Discord and I started browsing around, I realized this is something different than a lot of other projects. I wasn't one of the first, you know, like the those who were here since the, the Discord um, event, stuff like that. But, you know, it, you don't have to be one of the first in this community to truly understand the kind of the bond that, that this, pro this project has created among the community. And so with that in mind, I knew that in order to truly achieve some sort of success on the partnership front, I need to um, partner with a strong community. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, I was fortunate enough to be put in touch with Olympus team through an official channel. And, you know, it's been relatively smooth selling from there. We are solving a very key pain point for Olympus. And, you know, in return, we've been able to become a part of the Olympus community. And so it's been a very pleasant experience, I would say. Yeah, that's cool. That's great feedback for us at uh, Incubator. I help out with running the Incubator. And yeah, Mikey, you're kind of learning a bit as we go with the Incubator. We've got like a couple of bits and pieces set up, but um, at the moment it's quite small scale. So we're like taking a lot of time to sort of meet with our partners and sort of help them with some pain points. I know uh, Stefano, shout out Stefano, spent quite a bit of time chatting with you and um, the team over there and helping out with getting the operational structure. I think you kind of easy, you're like, oh, we'll get the code going. But then there's this whole other piece, which is like, oh, we have to be a DAO. Like we're going to need like, you know, to set up how contributors are going to be onboarded, how like our Discord channels are going to be, like how we work together as a team so maybe you can tell us a bit more about sort of the team like how how big is the team and then we'll get into sort of the launch and how that went and like you can tell us about the <laughs> all the trials and tribulations and the like awesome feeling it must have been when when you were able to kind of do that liquidity event to allow the kind of community to have some governance power over the protocol by buying up the VSTA token. So maybe you could just 
sort of start with like how the team formed and then kind of we'll sort of skip ahead to the pre-launch like when you were going to launch with prime dow but then there was some issue so yeah maybe we can st- first start with sort of what the team's up to and sort of who's on the team and what they're developing and what their skills are and then so we can get to know sort of you and the team a bit better and then um we can talk about sort of the raise and sort of the stress you must have been under yeah sure so the team was put together through a mutual friend of mine and the rest of the team. Uh, his name is uh, Xerox Maki. And, uh, ah, Maki. <laughs> yeah. Very so cool. He, yeah, he was the guy who connected um, the talents here. So I was an engineer, but for this particular project, I'm not on the engineering side. I've been mostly on partnership, structuring the farming and, you know, just overall strategizing what to do and stuff like that. But for the development talents, they were put in touch uh, to me by Maki. And one of them is a solidity engineer. He's a extremely good developer. And he was working in Web2 until very, uh, up until very recently. And then basically... All of the code was done by him on the Solidity side. So a extremely valuable talent that um, I was fortunate enough to, to meet. And there were another person who is also a friend. He is a full stack. You know, us three, we've just been collaborating, building this thing out uh, by the three of us as the core team. Um, we've also had help from other people, some of whom have been part-time contributors. Um, they've been helping out on community, graphics design, and protocol design, and so on. So it's been a collective effort. If you count the, if you count the number of people, I'd say is there's a total of seven or eight people. Um, not all of them full-time, only the three of us are full-time. But yeah, it's been a, a very pleasant team bonding i would just say it's a very it's been a very pleasant experience uh, mm. i've been very fortunate sounds like very uh s- slim and speedy slim and speedy team um i, I guess one thing that like, I, I know that stefano helped out a lot on the operations side of things but um maybe maybe we can kind of like walk through what that initial process was like kind of like sp- trying like spinning up the the, the dow the discord and, and like seeing this kind of um influx of new kind of like omis and and, and i don't know if the, the the is there vestorians i don't know if we have a name for for vst holders yet but um um yeah what was that like yeah so i was able to garner the angel round fairly early as you might have seen the angel round did have relatively positive impact on the you know on the project uh, once we announced it, but when when we were starting out, um, I purposely did not want to like announce the angels. I wanted to like build a community from the ground up, um, and that's exactly what I did. Basically, you know, we we started creating a lot of assets. We started telling a story. This is kind of a weird name, but the people who just joined our community are called Vesta versions uh, because. Vesta Virgin, Vesta Virgin was this Roman, you can almost call call her a, a an official who was somewhat in charge of the governing of the city. Uh, I don't know exactly which city, but <laughs> let's just say that this was a fairly valuable role. 
And we really try to develop a story around the the Roman um, mythology and rather just the story around it. So we had different roles for people to pick up. And the roles were very clear cut. Like, you know, if you were trying to contribute to, to this particular track, such as documentation, or if you're good at making memes, you would get different roles and you were getting judged. Okay, probably not not really getting judged, but you were being evaluated based on the performance of um, your particular contribution. And people were getting all these different roles and people were getting excited. This is also kind of banking on the fact that a lot of people just got to know of Concave, which was another project that was utilizing the role system, which is exactly what I modeled off of. And uh, we, we tuned it back a little bit. We didn't like we didn't go as hard as concave, you know, like concave was throwing out announcement every two minutes. Um, we were throwing out announcement every two days and it worked out quite well. Um, people learn about us. They made tweets about us. They made memes and sent it around Twitter. Um, once we hit two or 3000 members, I, that's when we decided to push out uh, the announcement of the Android round. And there we got another push. I think it was overnight to like 5,000 people in the server. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, like the community, it was certainly not built immediately, um, but I purposely made it so that we reward those who were there without knowing anything. So kind of like, like, yeah, like a retroactive reward system. So like those who did, it's not like you put out the expectations, like if you all do this, you're going to receive this you like yeah. kind of took note of everyone that was in there and it was like well you guys you know are going to be rewarded later yeah, yeah that yeah. makes sense yeah yeah i guess like maybe one thing we could maybe touch on is like you know why you did say you were kind of like initially we're in the l1 space maybe we can kind of like talk about the decision to move to arbitrum and then what's going on in the arbitrum um ecosystem and you know why people should um kind of explore what's what's going on there and why it's actually like one of the um, in your uh, opinion, why it might be one of the, the best uh, kind of L2s to, to kind of tackle. Right. I think when it comes to ecosystem, it's very, it's very much a narrative play, to be very blunt. I think that, um, you know, like choosing a particular ecosystem from a technical perspective is not the most difficult decision to make. However, when it comes to building community, it is one of the most important decision to make. So at the start, we, we weren't exactly considering mainnet. I myself, I've used these optimistic roll-up systems a couple of times, and I was just extremely impressed by the user experience provided by Arbitrum. Especially at the start, there were instant confirmation of transactions. We would, trans we would submit approvals and then like next moment, it is it has been approved and then i would submit the actual transaction and the next moment it would be approved again um, so i just thought you know this is the same tooling as everything else that the ethereum people is familiar with and the user experience is lightning fast so you know it was a pretty plain choice to me that probably one of the best ecosystem to be associated with on the other hand it's also because the fees were getting expensive and some of the like layer ones, the rotation, 
narrative that people were playing, like people were going from Matic to Avalanche and all that stuff. It was kind of getting tiring as well. And so I just thought, okay, you know, L2, much better user experience, probably not as cheap as say making transactions on, on Maddox and stuff, but at the same time, it's if they were to fully decentralize, it would be safer than um, other L2s uh, as is technically secured by, L, uh, by the Ethereum mainnet, although not yet. But, you know, like it, it was just a very plain choice to me to make the, make the bet of ecosystem on Arbitrum. So and that's what we did. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Arbitrum as well. <laughs> but uh, it, te- it allows Tetranode to come and mint some vest- VST, right? He famously doesn't use bridges to other chains because he doesn't trust their security. Yeah, to be honest with you, I was not aware of this. <laughs> that he was ad- <laughs> adamantly like uh, opposed to going um, other L1s. Oh, it didn't factor in? No, I, I just uh, wanted to use L2s. <laughs> so, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff there as well, right? Like uh, Dopex are there, um, GMX, they're built there, the the Treasure DAO, they're on Arbitrum as well. Are you like working on some partnerships? Do you have any alpha you might be able to leak us? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, sure. So we're talking to Redacted. Um, we're obviously talking to Olympus, <laughs> um, hoping to brew up some products together. And uh, I also just had a meeting with uh, Jones Dow. Uh, another member of the economy. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, always a lot of chats going on. Um, just a matter of prioritizing them on the roadmap. So, yeah. All right, no alpha. <laughs> Something's coming though. I'm gonna prod. I'm gonna keep prodding. Um, I did see the most one of the most recent uh, tweets, uh, kind of, you know, detailing the the kind of like um, the claim, but also like I saw I saw something where you guys were talking about you were uh, touching on uh, like a dead offering for VST, um, you know, dynamic liquidation ratios, VVSTA. So maybe maybe we can not not get into too much detail, but kind of like all, kind of like go into some of the um, those different topics. Also, um, one that you've kind of like touched on that you're very much exploring or investigating is kind of like the the zk rollup uh, implementation. So maybe we can kind of like briefly touch on some some little uh, you know alpha uh, nuggets here and there regarding those. So the first one is uh, permissionless debt offering, basically. What we want to do is, given this infrastructure, given this, given this mechanism, this liquidation mechanism, um, we want to spin it to a fashion where people can utilize it permissionlessly. Um, so what we're hoping to do is actually letting people see the stability pool so that the stability pool is going to backstop any collateral of their choice. And from that point on, anyone can come in and allow the collateralization of any assets, um, given that they provide enough capital into the stability pool to backstop the liquidation of that particular asset. There's still a lot of detailed things to figure out. Um, for example, you know, how will the Oracle work? Uh, what are the attack vectors of the Oracle? But that's the general idea that we have. 
Um, and it's one that we think will be pretty cool to build. In terms of product market fit, uh, we're still exploring. We don't want to build something that nobody will use. But, you know, that's just one of the ideas that we had. And the second one is dynamic liquidation ratio. So one of the one of the issues with the current system is that once the whole system gets kind of under collateralized, individuals, a portion of the individuals who have positions with a particular collateral um, will become underwater. And they are then in the in danger of getting liquidated. So we want to make that not as sudden of a transition. We want to smoothen that transition by making liquidation ratio not jump from a emergency ratio to a safe ratio, sorry, the other way around, but rather to transition between them smoothly. So that requires you know us to consider many factors such as how much is in the system, um, you know, how many people are currently under collateralized? Um, what is, what is the asset as well as like, where should the upper bound be the lower bound be? Um, it's a, it's a very much a work in progress, but you know, that's also another thing that we're exploring. Is it more something that would be like an aggregate of like, um, you know, single collateral ratios to find some kind of you know, smooth um, kind of factor or, or something along those lines? Or is it more say like just trying to you know, define the upper and lower bounds for specific, like for single assets? Yeah, so the way I think about it is defining the upper and lower bound is the easy task because technically speaking, we've already done that for our current system. Um, the Using ETH as an example, 110 is the normal collateral or liquidation ratio, and 150 is the critical liquidation ratio. Um, however, like the way that it moves between these two, you know, that's what we want to create. I know the VE narrative is also strong. So the the kind of the locking, and then maybe also like um, for some of the the omis, like what is the benefit of a of like a zk rollup implementation, like later later down uh, the roadmap, for example. Yeah, the vote escrowed token model is something that's I would say as important as the permissionless debt offering. Um, I think we're hoping to make them uh, very connected, two products that are very connected. Um, but essentially the vote escrowed version would allow our governance token holder to be more long-term aligned with the protocol as, uh, as is the normal kind of application of this particular uh, tokenomics token model. The practical application of such a lockup is that we can then divert the token emission of VSTA toward um, different collateral types. Since we are multi-collateral, um, there is always a zero-sum kind of competition between who would get more rewards because we have a finite amount of tokens, and but there are multiple like collateral types that need like uh, the VSTA emission. So, so that's, that's kind of the perfect use case for a vote locked, you know, application is to take, take your share and vote, vote toward whichever one you want to um, receive more rewards, right? So, and then the last one, as you mentioned, is a ZK rollup. Um, ZK rollup is 
still something farther out. Um, we we are in touch with ZK Sync, and we are looking into developing or rather deploying onto ZK Sync. One of the model for Vesta is layer two first, right? We want to be on ecosystems that are just cheaper to deal with. So um, ZK Sync or ZK rollups um, promises that as you know, just the same as Arbitrum rollup or sorry, optimistic rollup. Um, so that's why this is also on our roadmap. We want to really fulfill the narrative that we have created. So, you know, layer two first, that's it. Very cool. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about with Arbitrum? So Arbitrum, they've kind of had, um, some difficulties in the past, like not that it's anything special, like Solana had to shut down like twice recently and then like turn it back on again or whatever it was. Um, so with Arbitrum, you can escape to L1 at any time. It's just like costly and difficult. But sort of what conversations have you had with the Arbitrum team um, about like what happens if there is like congestion on the chain and like transactions aren't getting through very quickly, something like that. Have you talked about that and like how would that play out? Like, is it not so much a concern because the loans are quite well over collateralized and then you have these individual um, stability pools? Is that kind of your thinking or is it sort of, are you concerned about it um, moving forward and like what mitigations are there for dealing with that yeah so we are talking to some third-party developers to prepare for the case when the sequencer goes down um, so that you know transactions like you said can be submitted directly to l1 um, however currently that feature is not supported so please don't over lever on your geom loan <laughs> um, this is another reason why we have we have initialized the um, ratios as such a such high numbers, is because we do recognize that there are particular problems that could occur because of the infrastructure that we're on. So, and like I said, like we're working around the not not necessarily around the clock. This isn't exactly our priority, but this is something that we're working on um, to work on how the backend should deal with. The situation where the sequencer is down but yeah this is a that's kind of the approach that we're taking right now and the individual stability pools is that so do you want to explain to us why it's important to have like a stability pool for geom is it just so that the people in there are like sort of happy to be have their um the debts liquidated and for them to be paid out in geom or is there something more to it than that like is there a particular risk from putting your um money in one pool over another yes so stability pool exists for the sole reason of liquidating people who are underwater right so it's this set of funds which it's like a a sort of pool and people can come along and stick money in there that's right and what it is is a like when a position is sort of below its collateralization ratio and yep. needs to be liquidated they can go to that pool and liquidate it at the like market rate so there's guaranteed sort of liquidity for liquidations to occur is that 
Is That's that correct. the yeah? And then wh why why is it important that you have individual ones per token? Like obviously you need a place to liquidate it. Is that the kind of long and short of it, or is there more to it than that? So the reason why there are multiple um, is that it it just makes the system much more secured. It also makes it more flexible for us to emit incentives and to ensure um, that the system is functioning correctly. Say that we have bashed all of the stability pools into one and we support ETH, BTC, and Geome. Let's say, similar to last summer, Geome, you know, goes to, or sorry, Ohm goes to 1,000 and ETH and BTC dumps to, I don't know, 50% drawdown, suffers a 50% drawdown. In, in those instances, if the stability pool is bashed together, if there's only one of them, then had you minted VST with your Geom loan and then you stuck it into the stability pool, you would have, your VST would have been used to liquidate other people's ETH and BTC loans. Mm -hmm. So that is, uh, you know, it's basically, it's it's very unfair to those who have done yeah. what I, you know, in the scenario that I just mentioned. So like, I guess the reason why you'd have isolated pools is because you can let the DGENs be DGENs and then someone on the other side can be like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be a bit more risk off and, and I'm going to kind of, you know, if something does go awry, I'm, I'm there to kind of, um, yeah, be that support and, and take the other side as opposed to like if it was all in one pool it'd be more of a you know very much incentive misalignment exactly so if you put your stable coins in the stability pool mm -hmm. and they liquidate against someone comes along and says oh, i've got to liquidate this loan here i'm going to trade it into the stability pool the people in the stability pool that put in stable coins they can end up with geom or eth or rem btc right that's correct depending on what pool that's yeah. correct yeah all right so very cool upon the event of uh, liquidation um, the liquidated collateral is automatically transferred to uh, the stability pool we are partnered with b protocol which actually sells the received collateral once once the stability pool receives it, and that's another model that uh, for the it's basically a kind of a more delta neutral strategy. Um, yeah, but it's uh, you know I guess like to each of their own, right? Yeah. So you end up with the back in the stable coin again if you do it through V protocol. That's right. That's right. So yeah, the B protocol kind of stability pool is just always accruing uh, VST, the stablecoin. That's cool. Do you want to tell us about the partnership with Frax? Yeah, sure. So we are partnered with Frax. Um, I believe it's a you know classic win-win situation where you know we are helping them with bootstrapping. Or should I say they're helping us with bootstrapping <laughs> uh, VST liquidity, and you know they they are their AMO also helps us keep the um, I guess the the token unpack yeah yeah and and most importantly you know we are we are also on the receiving end of liquidity incentives um, it is not present right now um, however it will be next week so our LPs will receive both VSTA as well as uh, FSX very cool 
Um, so what are the pairs that you have? You've got to vote up for the curve pool. Is that gone through and is that live now? We have not yet created a curve gauge because of how um, curve doesn't... Takes a while. Yeah, yeah. Currently, curve doesn't support permissionless uh, gauge, gauge creation on Arbitrum. And they have request. They have denied all uh, custom requests, including us. <laughs> so, so we are basically waiting for them to have the multi-chain gauge up as soon as possible, which is expected also next week. So once that's up, we will see. Uh, you know how we shall perform in the curve war. Very cool. Very exciting. So what are the pools currently for trading your VST? Currently, it's only against Frax. But which platform is it on? Uniswap? Oh, yeah, it's on Curve. Oh, so you have the pool, but you don't have the gauge. That's right. That's right. We yeah, have the... Yeah, okay. People can trade it, but people don't have anywhere to stuck it to get, get that reward. Uh, okay. Maybe to like reiterate for users, what is the benefit of having the, 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 the gauge, um, you know, uh, in conjunction with the pool. So what does that do for, for, for the for, for you guys? What is that? What's the benefit there? For sure. So when you are yield farming, um, you get whatever token that you are yield farming with, um, and then you have to stick it into a staking contract. Under the Curve ecosystem, the staking contract is called a gauge. On Ethereum mainnet, anyone can create a gauge. Uh, however, on Arbitrum and the other ecosystem that Curve is on, not everybody can just create a gauge. It's currently permissioned in the sense that only Curve themselves can create gauges. And with a gauge, um, you set the foundation for participating in the Curve War, uh, which enables you to receive reward from Curve as well. So basically right now, because we have no gauge, we can't really participate in the Curve War. But once they do support it, we shall be on our way. So that would be um, sort of voting whether or not it's like your vote locked CRV or um, doing the sort of convex um, sort of voting slash bribing. And like two of your partners, Frax and Olympus, are quite large participants and then you've also given us a little bit of alpha about some talks with butterfly as well so that would mm -hmm. mean that that um all your friends and like if you collect up some cvx or curve yourself you'd be able to vote to get some um crv rewards for um people who are in that pool um and then that like is usually the foundation for providing really deep liquidity for stable coins is that is that have I got it right there, Mikey? Yep, right on. Perfect. All right. I think we kind of ran through a lot of things that I think most Omis are probably being curious about. Um, but I might I might kind of segue into the the kind of that little rapid fire uh, segment to you know, round sure. us out, and then we can shill some socials. So it's uh, no attention <laughs> spend, no problem is the name of this one, and we're just kind of and I'll list off some things. So are you ready? Yep. All right. VST. Versus stable. Olympus. Olympus Dow. <laughs> ZK Rollups. ZK Sync. Debt. Debt. Debt Dow. <laughs> <laughs> economy. 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 I guess Ohm. You know. 
Discord. Yeah. Pain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we'll end it there. Thank you so much for you know joining us, Mikey. Um, maybe we can kind of end things um, with kind of like uh, yeah, a bit of an incubator. So incubator, we're like super proud of Vesta and what what they've achieved because you guys have done this so like you've executed so quickly and the product is like super clean um and super attractive and it and it seems to have gone off without a hitch there was that little bit of a hiccup with um Primedale not having the uh launch go quite as you planned and you quickly were able to switch out to another one of our close collaborators um copper launch uh from the alchemist team to finish that up um but yeah so with incubator we're just trying to create a like support network for whatever projects that they need so not every project is going to need the same thing so we're building out sort of some curriculums and checklists and having a bunch of uh experts and um experienced people to be able to work with our partners to really bring value to their products because um the sort of product the projects that we support are going to be like the future of the economy um and this space is all about networking right so um if uh, vesta is successful then that increases the success of olympus and vesta is like well disposed to sort of like think about how can my products sort of help out olympus as well so we can continue sort of strengthening that um, partnership and then network because Olympus is someone we want to work with. So, uh, Mikey, we know you were quite complimentary to the incubator program. It wasn't quite as structured as I would have liked it, but um, uh, I think we were able to sort of fill any gaps that you needed when you reached out to us. Was that your experience? And sort of what what would you say to a project that's thinking, oh, maybe I'll align with Olympus, but maybe I just can try and do it on my own. I think it's really hard to do something by yourself and it's super important to have um, people who've like just go through this all the time to like be there to help you out. Yeah, I can definitely speak on that. I think the incubator has helped us quite a bit with building a community. We have, I, I went to the, the Olympus Discord the other day and I saw so many people that I've seen before in Vesta's Discord. So, you know, it's, um, there's definitely a huge amount of benefit that any project can, you know, are able to get if you're in the incubator program. So I, I highly recommend it, you know, and, and most importantly, there were, like I said, like I mentioned at the start of the call, there were a lot of soft support, right? Uh, maybe... Uh, mapping out things from a from a strategic level, thinking about how to structure a cell. There's just a lot of expertise that, you know, if you're a first time founder or if you have not yet, if you haven't built um, this thing that you're building, um, there's there's a lot of expertise that um, the people at Olympus can provide you with. So um, I've been a huge fan and I will continue to be a huge fan. And uh, let's go Olympus. Thanks, the 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 community the community canon uh, is our specialty. I think we're we're approaching 100k omis strong. So um, yeah, onwards and upwards. Um, why don't we why don't we kind of uh, shill away where we can find everyone? Um, obviously, Vesta specifically. Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at uh, Vesta Finance. No, no, um, nothing in between. You'll also find our Discord in our Twitter bio. 
those are our two main socials at the moment. You can also find, well, most importantly, our official website is vestafinance, uh, no dash, dot XYZ. You'll also find our blog there. But uh, yeah, check us out. Borrow and uh, lend. Let's go. Awesome. And don't get liquidated. Um, don't get liquidated. <laughs> That's the main one. Um, Omis, we really appreciate you. Go check out those resources. And if you're minting on Vesta with Ohm, that's a really like positive sum relationship for Ohm because the more Ohm that is sort of locked away with this sort of super, super cheap borrowing, there's so many products that I'm thinking about that can be built on top of Vesta. I think Mikey, you've got, you must be having some planned as well that that allow like all these other things to unlock when there's got this 0% interest loans. But yeah, if you are meeting uh, against your geome, that geome is locked away there in that um, 0% interest loan and people don't have any sort of motivation to pay that back, right? Because they're not paying interest on it. So it creates these really um, kind of cool uh, things that can be built and developed. And it's really this synergistic um, sort of relationship between Olympus and Vesta. Super exciting. All right, Omis, that is uh, is Monday, the 14th of February. Well, this one will come out and there'll be a, a bunch of other things uh, coming your way through Agora. We'll catch you soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Awesome. See ya. Thanks, Mikey.